0: Even though the weather does not feel like it should be December, it is. And we celebrate Advent. Sorry, Ben. We celebrate Advent. Today we celebrate hope. And Bill and Kay will light the candle of hope. this morning. If you do not know the story, it's very appropriate that you light the candle of hope today. Thank you so much. Football season, 1982. It was a balmy October afternoon, Badger Stadium, Madison, Wisconsin. That day, there were 80,000 plus diehard University of Wisconsin football fans watching their team take on the Michigan State Spartans. It was a close game. But what seemed odd was that even when their team was down, even when Wisconsin wasn't doing well, even when Michigan State would get a first down or score, there would be suddenly outbursts of applause and cheers from the Wisconsin fans at the strangest time. And people were scratching their heads, how could the Michigan State, the Michigan State people trying to figure out why were the Wisconsin people cheering when things weren't going so well for them. It turns out that 70 miles away, the Milwaukee Brewers were beating the St. Louis Cardinals in game four of the 1982 World Series. (laughs) And many of the fans, now this was before cell phones and you could watch a game in your pocket. This was transistor radios. Some of you remember transistor radios. And the people were in the fans with the little earplugs listening to the World Series and cheering for the Brewers. That story is important to me. And it's a great illustration, I think, of our Christian life. And I don't care about the Wisconsin Badgers or the Milwaukee Brewers, but I love the example. There's great worth in having our attention focused on something that is going on elsewhere. Does that make sense? No matter how difficult this world gets, no matter how bad things can be, it is so important as Christians and people of faith for us to keep our attention focused on spiritual things. Philippians 4.8 puts it this way, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. A modern translation puts it this way, I like these words, Think of the best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. And that is important. So as we begin Advent, we celebrate hope today. And hope comes from being plugged in to another place. Our hope is not going to come from this world. It comes from the next It comes when we look forward, like we talked about last Sunday. Hope disappears when we concentrate on failures, when we concentrate on disappointments or the tough circumstances we can find ourselves in. I know a lot of people whose lives improved when they plugged into the next world and quit concentrating on this one and watching the news and concentrating on the bad stuff every day. We have to stay plugged into God always. If we do, we have hope. And if we don't, we have to spare Some larger school systems, if a child is in the hospital, will have a teacher that goes to the different hospitals and tutors the children. One teacher was given the assignment of a little boy that she didn't know, and she went to the boy's main teacher and says, what are you studying? And the teacher said, We're studying nouns and adverbs in his class now and I'd be grateful to you if you could help him understand so he doesn't get too far behind. So the teacher went to the hospital that did not know the little boy and no one had mentioned the little boy had been badly burned in a house fire. And the teacher was not prepared for what she would see. But she went into the room and got all her courage and she Said, I, I've been sent here by your school to help you with your nouns and your adverbs. But she was so put off by what she saw, she didn't think she did any good at all. When she left, she felt she didn't accomplish much. She came back a few days later, and the nurse asked her, What did you say to that boy? And the teacher felt she had done something wrong, and she's I'm sorry. She began to apologize, I'm sorry I didn't... No, 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 the nurse said. You don't know what I mean. We've been worried about this little boy, but ever since yesterday his old attitude has changed. He's fighting back. He's responding to treatment. He's following our instructions. It's as though he's decided to live. <coughs> Two weeks later, the boy explained that he had <coughs> given up hope until the teacher arrived. Everything changed when he came to a simple realization. And he said it this way to the nurse. He said, they wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? So he's going to live. And hope changes things. This morning, our first story is from the life of Jacob. He needed hope. He was in a tough situation. And if you know his story, well, you know that he lied to his father Isaac. He stole the birthright from his brother Esau. And he ran away for his life because Esau wanted to kill Jacob. I want to pick up the story after he has run away from a mess that he has created. Genesis 28, beginning at verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba went towards Herod. And he came to a certain place and he stayed there for the night because the sun had set. He's so tired from his running. Look what he does. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down there. That's tired to use a stone as a pillow. And he dreamed. He dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I'm the Lord God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac. The land over which you lie I'll give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth. You'll spread abroad to the west, east, north, and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I'm with you. And will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then Jacob woke from his sleep. And said surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know. it." And he was afraid. And he said how awesome is this place. There is none other than. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. From this dream. Everything changed for Jacob. He encountered God. This was his wake-up call, the gate of heaven. And it gave him hope. Hope that his failures were not final. Hope that his deception would not hold him hostage forever. Hope for a better life. A life not running away from circumstances. And in spite of past failures, God used Jacob. And I like that because that gives me hope. It should give you hope as well. But what Jacob dreamed about, and the reason I love this story from Genesis 28, and probably look at it every advent, is what Jacob dreamed about became a reality for you and for me. That latter was set. Christ came for us. And so we celebrate Christmas. Luke tells the story that gives us hope about the dream becoming a reality. He went to be registered with Mary just as he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in bands of cloth, laid in a manger, because there was no place for him in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This is a lot of people's favorite part of the Christian story, and I love it too. Because God chose to go to the shepherd. From what we can read and determine, and there's a little debate, but it seems pretty clear that the shepherds would have had a tough existence. Why? Well, they were ceremonially unclean. Likely, they were lonely. Society frowned on them, and that changed from the Old Testament time to the New Testament time. The Mishnah, which is the Jews' written record of the oral law in one passage Describes shepherds as incompetent. Another section of the Mishnah, Mishnah says that no one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who's fallen into a pit. Isn't that lovely? That's what they were how they were thought. Shepherds were deprived of their civil rights. They could not fill judicial offices or be admitted in court even as a witness. They were that poorly thought of. One quote I found about the shepherds from this time. To buy wool, milk, or a kid from a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that it would be stolen property. Shepherds were frowned upon. It was a tough life without a lot of hope. And then something happened. God appeared to them. Have you ever felt like you were not worthy that God should not have anything to do with you other than judgment. God loves you. God loves the shepherds. And He said to them, I'm sending you a Savior. And now the shepherds are thought of differently. They're plugged into God. They had hope. But what is fascinating to me about this situation is their circumstances are exactly the same. They're still shepherds. Society still thought of them as unreliable. But now they're listening to another tune. They are focused elsewhere. And that is life changing. They're not focusing on the pasture or the loneliness or the circumstance. They're focused on the fact that they have a savior. And 2,000 years later, we gather. Some of us like Jacob with questionable past. Some of us, like, of us like shepherds, lonely and maybe anxious. And we gather. I want you to see that Jacob and the shepherds share something in common, and I love it. God came to them. God sought them out. And do you see why that's so important? <clears throat> it's important because God does that to you too, and to me as well. How many times has he tried to get your attention? How many times has he said, okay, Knucklehead, that's my nickname in heaven, I'm convinced. Okay, Knucklehead, I'm here. He does that to us in so many ways. He's doing it right now. It's no coincidence that you're here. God has moved you to tell you, I came for you. I love you. I gave my son to you. Plug into me. And when we do that, we have hope. I cannot find it on Google. If you find it from this story, please let me know. I was told of a painting. Of an old mountain shack that has burned to the ground as the artist had painted it just recently. All that is left is the charred embers of a humble shack and a chimney that is still standing. You've seen chimneys standing from long ago. That's the picture. In the front of the home is an older looking gentleman like a grandfather wearing long-handle underwear like that's all he escaped the fire with. He's got his long handles on. And there's a little boy, assumed to be his grandson, holding his leg, wearing tattered overalls, and crying like we have lost everything. Beneath the picture, the artist wrote words that he felt the old man was speaking to the boy. Wonderful words, And I have to find a painting in a profound theology and philosophy of life. And after the fire and losing everything and escaping just with the clothes on their back, the words from the grandfather to the little boy, hush, child, God ain't dead. That's good theology. Hush, child, God ain't dead in the midst of all of life's troubles and failures. That's good enough. Are you troubled? Are you worried? Is there despair in your life? Do you need hope? Hush child, God ain't dead. It was a difficult, wonderful day yesterday. <coughs> difficult because as the father of the bride, I had to walk my daughter down this aisle. And it is a long aisle. In fact, I now refer to this aisle as the Trail of Tears because I just cried all the way down the aisle. <laughs> and then I get here with my daughter, let's see, she was right here. I get here and Mitch is standing right here at the front doing the first part of the wedding. he talks about generations before Ellen and Charles that he has known. He talked about my father and my mother. They've been gone a long time. And my stepmother, who's been gone a long time. And that didn't help the tears to stop flowing. And then he talked about Jeannie's mother, who was here, and her father who's in heaven now and the tears kept falling and then he talked about byron and nancy saskham that were in attendance and i've known them forever and i cried in joy that they were here and then he talked about his mother and father who are now in heaven and the tears came and then he talked about his brother david was shot in the line of duty as a Fulton County police officer 1970, 1980. And the tears kept coming. But I knew that the next day, today I would preach on hope. And I kept saying to myself, hush child, God ain't dead. And I was reminded of heaven and glory. And I was thankful that our daughter found a godly man. God was good. And we had hope that God was in charge of it. And He was. God's in charge of your life. Every aspect of it. Trust Him.